The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio, where you can get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. And? Yeah. And? Yeah. What? It's now been proven. What's that? Live longer. We're sitting here in the studio saying, all right, what are we going to talk about? Dr. Weefold searching, and he finds an article that says there is a recent study that says. Well, Al- Arnold. Hey, Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> Mezhkoff, yeah. MD. Temple University. So he looked at people who who sought out education about their heart condition. Yeah. And in general, their medical condition. And they compared them to people who were hermits and didn't turn on WPTF <laughs> or listened to us on Apple Podcasts. Right, right. And the people who sought out education and listened live longer. So they did. Can... They lived longer. They had a 20% or so, reduction in hospitalization, heart attack, uh, death. It's called MACE, M-A-C-E, morbidity. I don't know what the A-C-E stands for uh, anymore. (laughs) Cardiology events, I guess. So this is a good thing. Not only are we having fun here, David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're saving lives. Or we're helping people live longer. I think we were always doing that. This doctor just proved it. Yeah. But it always makes sense that the more you know about your own situation, I'm diabetic. I need to know the details involved with managing my sugar. Or also why it's so yeah. important. And the simple things in life, you know, the no-no diet, you know. Okay. So I, I'm really excited. I just saw this and knowledge saves Lives. Well, yeah, it's not the first study that's been done that. Well, but this was the, this is. Stuff. Oh, wait a minute. This is one of the uh, good studies where okay. they got a bunch of scientists together. You know, yeah. the, the the pointy head, uh, thick glasses types. Yeah, and they proved it, and okay. so I'm very excited. All right. Well, there's a lot to talk about. There's some. Everybody's been very much stressing on COVID cases right now. The I'll tell you right now, North Carolina is about it's in a tough shape because on the 7th of July, mm-hmm. now this is about, what, the 8th, um, 7th of July, there were 410 people hospitalized in North Carolina with COVID, 410. We're now, a month later, 1,715. Mm-hmm. We have... This is a problem. Okay. Remember one thing, though. What's that? Is that the number of deaths. And death is not the only thing we look at. Okay. The number of deaths is not going up significantly. Okay. Now, hospitalizations are. um, But we've got a lot of treatments now. 
And so um, most people who are getting Delta are not being hospitalized. In fact, the majority okay. are not being hospitalized. And the ones that are, even if they go to the ICU, they're recovering. So what does this tell us? It tells us, number one, we've, it, we've gotten a ton of experience about how to treat this. You remember back, I mean, obviously back I in do. March of 2020 and April of 2020, you made it to the ICU. You were a goner. Now, I'm exaggerating a little bit, yeah. but we know now that early intubation is not good. That is putting you on a breathing machine. We know that steroids help. We also know that giving monoclonal antibodies early in the case help. Okay. And so we're, we're, we're making progress. Now, there is an Israeli drug that has just uh, been tested in um, Greece. I guess the Isra- Israelis didn't have enough sick pay- people to test this drug. Wow. And they gave it to about 80 patients. Right. And 79 left the hospital. So that's a big breakthrough. And the thing that I want to tell people out there who are wringing their hands and who are, you know, listening to the doomsayers that, right. I mean, I even read one article that said Delta and now this Lambda variant. Sure. We're going to spell the end of civilization. I mean, come on. You're making a bold prediction that well, it's not? No. And the thing that, that I want people to remember is that technology is a wonderful thing. And not only hardware. Yeah. yeah base technology, but I'm talking about the technology of medicine. And um, you go back in time, you're too young for this, but I remember in the 60s and early 70s, we were all going to die by 2001 from starvation. Starvation. Yeah. So what happened? Uh, We, at that time, we had a certain uh, amount of food production per acre. Yeah. And we had a climbing... Uh, population throughout the world. Right. So China, which at that time was the world's most populated country, mm-hmm. said only one kid, dudes. You can only have one kid. And if you try to have more than two, we've got spies in your village. You're going to have a forced abortion. And if you do have this kid, um, many girls, because in yeah. China, boys are favored. They take care of your parents. Uh, the girls don't. It's it's a complicated Confucian thing. But if you're a girl, you marry somebody, you go live with his parents yeah. and you take care of them. Yeah. So we were blessed enough to get my daughter, Emily, who was born in Wuhan. Right. And uh, she was well taken care of, but her mother couldn't, couldn't take care of her. And we were able to go and adopt her. All right. So we were all going to die by 2001. We had to stop having kids. We had to, you know, hoard our food. Right. Well, guess what happened? Technology. Right. And now, uh, back in 1969, Iowa farmland, the best and most productive farmland in the world, 145 bushels of corn per acre. Now, in a good year, it's over 300. So what happened? We were able, using technology, to expand food production. And now, what is Elon Musk saying? What is China saying? Hmm. We don't have enough people. Really? So guess what happened to China? Not yeah, only can you have two kids. They did that last year. Yeah. Now you can have three. And why are they doing that? Because they're not going to have enough workers. And that's the same thing in the United States. Yeah. Well, you know, and so what I'm trying to say to everybody out there who's reading this stuff, 
on Facebook. That's how they pronounce it, Johnson County. Facebook. Yeah. And Twitter, although my people in Johnston County aren't Twitter, no, Twitters. No, they're not Twitter. They're not Twitters. But anyway, just <laughs> when you see that we're all going to die, just don't clickbait. Just move on. There was something that I saw just preparing for the show, and it had to do with mental health. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, we're concerned about people's mental health in this whole process, this entire you call the clickbait. It's the the fact that the headlines that sound like it's doomsday scenario, pe- people are going to read, and because people will read those, eventually they become saddened by their possible I mean, outcome I, here. I think that what you're seeing now from these anti-vaxxers and these doomsayers is a negative effect. It's almost like a disease mm-hmm. that is floating through our society and causing people to, you know, be dejected and be, you know, uh, unhopeful for the future. Right. And you know, they're taking surveys of the young people in this country who are addicted to social media and believe right. what social media says. They're depressed as hell. Right. And they're saying, why should I do anything? We're all going to die pretty soon. And the, the thing that Fauci, and I, I hate to keep banging on this guy's head, but you listen to Fauci and we're all going to die, that we've got to shut down again and we got to all wear masks again because of Delta. Now, Delta was horrible for a while right. in India. Um, what happened to Delta in India? It's, I don't know. It went away. Now, okay. you can't say that it was from... You know, more vaccines because the vaccine rate has not gone up. You can't say it's from masks because they're not wearing masks. You know what you can say? What? Nobody knows why. It went away. And in England, they had another Delta variant come up. Now, if you look at the data, the number of deaths in England did not go up in association with the number of Delta cases. Hospitalizations, yes, but not deaths. So what does this mean? Do we sacrifice the life that we know? The, the country that um, lifted mm-hmm. millions out of poverty. If you don't believe that, don't listen to these people who say that we're, you know, uh, dejected, dejected and we're, we're not paying attention to the poor. We lifted 8 million people out of poverty in the year before uh, the COVID thing hit. Mm-hmm. So come on, life is, is looking up for us. And here's an article that I want people to know. If you are fully vaccinated... 99.999% chance you're not going to die of Delta. And C- the CDC said this. Right. So I'm, why are they telling everybody you're all going to die and you better mask up and stay home? Now, I believe in getting vaccinated and, and because it, it helps. Yeah. If you've been vaccinated and you get Delta, you have a 99.999% percent chance of living three nines after the decimal point yeah now did you get in the car today i did yes. yeah i got yes. my car today yeah what's your chance of dying from a car wreck oh at I some don't, point I don't, I don't one know. in 100 okay so that's 99 really? percent chance of living if you get vaccinated you have a 99.999 percent chance mm-hmm. of living even if you get covid so listen to our show Go out, walk, smell the roses, believe in the future of the United States of America and the world. Right. Now, it's another example of what I said about technology, okay? 
I have been waiting with bated breath for Novavax, and it is a new type of vaccine. Right. So we have Moderna, which is an mRNA. Yep. What does that mean? It's an, You have a chemical that codes for the spike protein. It gets in your system, gets in your cells, and it makes the spike protein in your cells. It gets out. You make an antibody and a T yep. cell or cellular immunity against it, and you have a great chance of living. Yeah. Well, the Novavax was developed in my hometown of Gaithersburg, Maryland. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it hasn't been approved yet. It's been approved in other countries, but apparently the FDA has really given them a hard time because of the, quote-unquote, adverse outcomes of the other vaccines. Okay. It is made of protein. So they designed a protein, and they were able to... Uh, proteins are amino, uh, amino acids, okay? So they are little proteins that are linked together, little acid things that are linked together. Okay. And they fold up on their own and they made a spike protein out of it. If you give the Novavax to somebody who's had Moderna in or Pfizer in two doses, it is a tremendous, tremendous benefit even further. So I'm not saying that we should go out and get a booster shot. I was considering for myself I had Moderna, two shots. I was considering to going, uh, going out and, and getting a Pfizer jab, as they say in right. England. I'm going to wait for the Novavax. The okay. data is fantastic. And I just wish the FDA would use the same standards that they use for Moderna and Pfizer and approve this thing and let us all get a jab. And then we have even more protection, 90% instead of 60% of not getting Delta. And, you know, there's another one coming out, Lambda. Have you heard of Lambda? Yeah. It's coming from South America. And that's the doomsday virus. We're all going to die from that. And it's ridiculous. It Except prote- we're not. Except we're not. Yeah. Okay. Except we're not. So please have some optimism out there. Believe in the wonders of science and technology in this country. They saved us before. Right. And they're going to save us again. And I really do believe if you look at climate change, technology is going to save us again. Mm -hmm. And um, we're all going to go on living happily. Not happily ever after, but happily. And we should be happy. When (laughs) you see your neighbor, say hello. When you see your neighbor, say, you you have a 99.999% chance of living even if you get it. Yeah. If If you get Delta. So go on living. Go on being happy. Because we have every reason to be. All right. Find somebody from the World War II generation and talk to them about things in, I don't know, 1943. You know, it was the the world was a mess in 1943. Yeah. In ways that we can't imagine now. Yeah. We can barely imagine. Well, even even so, health wise, okay, right? You know, you get killed storming the beaches at Normandy. I mean, and in Vietnam, do you know what the life expectancy of a second lieutenant, freshly minted, no. out of West Point, taken over uh, a platoon mm. and landing from a helicopter into the firefight? What was his life expectancy? A couple of days. Thirty-four seconds. 34 seconds. Because he had the insignias on, and they shot him. Oh, my so gosh. So what I'm trying to say is life gets better. Yeah. I mean, you look at 1943, you have a heart attack, 80% chance of dying from it. Right. Okay, uh, Dwight Eisenhower, President Eisenhower, the yes. hero of, of World War II. 
He's having substernal chest discomfort, diaphoresis, shortness of breath. He's lying in bed with Mamie, who is his wife, picks up the phone and calls the, the presidential physician. Yeah. The presidential physician is going, well, Ike's having a heart attack. And you know what his recommendation was? No. Snuggle up to Mamie and fall asleep. Okay? okay. Yeah. Why was that? You couldn't do anything about it. Uh, unbelievable. And, I mean, if you don't go back and read the headlines from the 60s even and look at all the celebrities sure. who would drop dead of heart attacks. Just, I mean, right. drop dead. Right. Heart attack was, was, anonymous, was synonymous with death. And it's not anymore. All right. Very good. We're going to talk about the keto diet. We've got two articles. One says... Oh, this is, is bad stuff. And we got another article that says, no, I don't know. This is a really good thing. If you're limiting your carbohydrates because of, you know, for dietary reasons, go ahead and hang with us. We're going to tell you tell you the good and the bad. And an iPhone, actually the, the wrist version. The, the, I was skeptical. The iPhone watch. I was an iWatch uh Skeptic, and right. I'm maybe not so now. All right, it saved a man's life. Details coming up on Heart Health Radio. Welcome to Heart Health with board certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919 860 9783. We'd love to hear from you. Heart Health Radio telephone line open from noon until two on a Saturday. 919-860-9783. Call right now. We'll get you on the air very quickly on the radio program. Keto diet, it's similar to the no-no diet in the yeah, people it is, who are. It's, it's sort of like the no, 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 no. <laughs> and it's yes for fat. So okay. the keto diet is eat a bunch of fat mm. and eat a bunch of meat. And yes. maybe introduce some complex carbohydrates later on. And by that, I mean like white rice. I mean, not white rice, brown rice with a husk, okay? Now, um, what it does, since you don't have any simple carbohydrates in your diet, it turns your body into a ketone machine. And what does that mean? Oh, yeah. Ketones are a different chemical that supply energy to your brain. And... It's an acid, and it, your body gets a little more acidic. And since you don't have any sugar or you know individual sugar molecules coming to your body, the fat in your body, which does not store fat. Remember, if you eat a hunk of fat, right. that, I remember they used to say, apply that directly to your thighs, no. right? Remember that? No, yeah, no. It fat is a storage for sugar and it's a complex chemical thing but it turns it into takes sugar and turns it into fat so if you're on the keto and you have no sugar coming in you turn the fat into these ketones uh-huh. and you start to lose a whole bunch of weight so there's a guy here who wrote this article Ke- keto diets are disease promoting disasters okay. and let me tell you this guy's name is chris malore and he is an old-time nutritionist. And I remember when I started putting people on keto 20, 25 years ago, I couldn't believe how many of these nutritionists and dietitians were telling me that I was crazy and nutcakes. Well, okay, so you read this article, and he says, 
Well, you shouldn't eat red meat. You shouldn't eat fat. So therefore, the keto diet is a disaster. Now, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Where's the data? You know, where's the beef? <laughs> People don't remember that commercial. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. Where's the beef? And there's no data. He just says, I don't like it. And it says it, it gives you risk for kidney disease. And pregnant women were at risk. And these diets increased LDL cholesterol, which is a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are so many articles that document the long-term health benefits of the keto diet. And what's the number one health benefit of the keto diet? It lowers your LDL cholesterol. So. Right. You eat a chunk of fat, and you eat a chunk of meat, yeah. and you don't eat you know, stuff on the no-no list, the, huh. the white flour stuff. Your LDL cholesterol goes down, not goes up. And you know what else? The secondary benefit? Actually, maybe this is even the primary benefit. Inflammation. Mm-hmm. So what is inflammation? It is a state of being of your immune system in your body where it's hyperactive all the time. Mm -hmm. When it's hyperactive all the time, these little communicator proteins are saying from one immune cell to the other, get active, bro. And that ruptures your your cholesterol plaques. It inflames your brain so your brain's getting fried. The keto diet is one of the only diets that remarkably lowers your inflammation. So let me tell you me. Um, I, the cholesterol medicines do too. So I, there's a thing called the C-reactive protein. It's, it's pretty good at measuring overall inflammation. Ask your doctor to check it for you. Mine was like 6.5, which was above the cutoff for high inflammation. Right. So I went on my statin. I went on my um, injection called Repatha. Um, I started taking turmeric, I started taking milk thistle, I started taking ginger, all these anti-inflammatory things. And I said about a year later, let's check it again. Yeah. Less than 0.1. What does that mean? It's unmeasurable. So my level of inflammation in my body went from high to basically zero. And we can do this. Well, I'm not on the keto diet. I just had <laughs> potato chips and Cheeto. Yes, you did. But right you can do it. Yeah. Well, let me just say that we've got Rose Hoban coming up in just a little bit. Going to talk about North Carolina's numbers with COVID and other issues. That's coming up on the show. We'd love to hear from you during the first hour or the second hour. But honestly, we get a lot of people who call in at the last minute. Let's not do that today. Let's call early. The telephone number is 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio, where you get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com. I'm Dave Alexander. He is Dr. Franklin Weefald, and we welcome Rose Hoban of North Carolina Health News. Rose, thank you very much hey. for joining us. How you doing? Hey, fellas. Uh, how you doing? Welcome back. Yeah, good thank to have you. you. You've written an article. Uh, well, of course, the, the entire website pivots a lot. Your website does. You had to pivot two years ago with the, with the uh, coronavirus. Right. But you've written about, and it's fun because I'm paying attention. You don't write a lot. You do a lot of editing. 
apparently. I do. I yeah, do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't often see that Rose has written something, but it says Delta variant compels local health departments to pivot again. Yeah. What's going on? Well, I mean, for one thing, you know, I get a lot of emails from different health departments, um, part of which is because we have a county-by-county guide on how to, um, you know, get a shot, which um, we kept current until the spring. And then, oh, guess what? This week we've been updating it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But so last week um, I, I wasn't here because I was at the beach. Good for you. Good. Yeah. Hope and you I'm hope you put sunscreen on. I did have sunscreen Good. on, Good. or else I had you know like a long sleeve t shirt on. Good. But I'm I'm checking my email to keep it cleared out, and I noticed that Brunswick County. You know, I get emails from these folks, and I noticed Brunswick County was like, "We're doing a vaccine clinic every day this week," and I thought to myself, "Hmm, you know, I bet other counties are having to ramp back up too." Yeah. And so I started calling around to uh, on my vacation. Yeah, I know. But uh, I figured we were in Brunswick. I was right near Brunswick County. We were in Onslow County. But we drove down on Saturday on our way home and stopped in at this church that was having a big family fun day. Yeah. And they had asked the vaccine van to show up. And uh, so I talked to the folks from the health department. I talked to the folks from the church and then called around to some other local health departments and heard about some of the things that they're doing and people are starting to get creative They're They're not sort of standing up the big vaccination clinics where you drive through in your car. Like it was this spring. Now it's more like, Hey, we have three public health workers who can come out to your event and do vaccines there. Um, you know, encourage people to get vaccines there or we'll, um, uh, what were some of the other things? Uh, geez, we heard all kinds of things. We, uh, I heard that there were, um, oh, I'm just scrolling through the story now because it's, it's been a whole week. <laughs> I know everything happens a lot faster than it used it, to. It, it's, you know, summer's supposed to be the slow time. Um, yeah. But, you know, like they went to uh, Durham County. They sent out people to a job fair. Um, they're, you know, of course, giving away these gift cards. Well, Rose, let um, me ask you, uh, in general, are they being successful at these efforts? Well, you know, is it the efforts or is it the fact that people are seeing people get sick again? Yeah. Because uh, the past two weeks, we've seen a definite uptick in the number of vaccinations and and particularly in the number of first shots. Right. You know, there's folks who are saying, okay, I'll go out. So, for example, at the beginning of the month, there were only 37,000 first doses yes. given out in the first week of the month. But uh, let me see. I think it's last week, the week that began the 26th, there were 77,000 first doses given out. And, you know, I, I'm guessing that you're doing some shops in your office, Dr. Weefold, and takes a little extra time to get all that data in. So the data is definitely lagging. We'll probably see that last week, the week of the um, of July 26th, that it'll probably be about 115,000 people got shots, which is a, which is a distinct uptick. Oh, yeah. It's been climbing for the past couple of weeks. I think it's great, too. Yeah. 
needs to happen. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know if you guys follow me on Twitter, but, you know, I, I, I had a little Twitter thread. I kind of got a little bee in my bonnet. And the thing that I said on Twitter was that, you know, we're, we're continuing to see an uptick. Um, and I just for just for the hell of it, I thought to myself, you know, what are the estimates of what a COVID hospitalization costs? Ah. And there's a group that, you know, that has uh, all of the data from Medicare and Medicaid around the country. And they're they're you know, the upper and lower bounds. They estimate that at minimum um, uh, a hospitalization is about 38,000. That's for an insured patient. Wow. And the average hospitalization is about 73,000 for an uninsured patient. Right. So if you, if you just multiply that by the people who are in the hospital in North Carolina right now, yeah. that's anywhere between 65 and $125 million. Sure. So sure. we've paid for the vaccine once. Right. Because the government gave out contracts to vaccine makers, you know, to they gave out these um, uh, preemptive contracts saying, go ahead and manufacture lots. And if it works, then, hey, you know, we'll have the vaccines ready to go. So we paid for them once and now we're paying again because people aren't getting shots. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I had a, a patient who actually is a relative of somebody who works in my office. <clears throat> he got mm-hmm. COVID last year. She got it, did not have to go to the hospital. He was mm-hmm. really sick. ICU, mm-hmm. uh, he was uh, not only in a ventilator, he had to have a trach. Mm. Three and a half months in the hospital. Mm. You know what his bill was? No, no, no. $1.5 million. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. I have a friend- I have a friend who's a physical therapist at one of the large hospitals in the area, which shall remain nameless. And she was telling me um, when I saw her in June that she had a patient who was 43, three kids, Mm -hmm. and he had been in the hospital with COVID since late January on a vent for like three and a half months. She had just gotten him in her inpatient physical therapy unit. And he, she said their goal for the week was to help him sit up on the side of the bed. Yeah. Oh, he was so really debilitated. Right. Yeah. Um, right. And I was, read, I was uh, reading the other day that um, it's in a, oh, got it. I'm trying to remember what state it was. But a local, um, a, a local weather guy, you know, like the, the, met, the meteorologist yeah. on, on local TV station, posted something to Facebook that he and his wife were with his brother and his brother's wife um, in July and that the brother's wife was pregnant, 31 weeks pregnant. And uh, a week later, the wife, the, you know, the sister-in-law got COVID. Oh my. Um, ended up hospitalized because it's worse if you're pregnant because, as you know, Dr. Weefall, when you're pregnant and there's a baby in there, it's hard to get a really good deep breath, right? Yeah. So she ended up on a ventilator. They did. They delivered the baby by C-section, and the woman died. She was 31 and yeah. left behind yeah, two children. Well, luckily, that is extremely rare. It and is. that's it one is. of the things I want to tell people when you hear these really sad stories. <clears throat> the reason why they're stories yeah. 
Because they're right. so rare. You don't hear much right. about car wrecks, but you hear about a plane wreck. Really right. rare. It's tragic, but remember, it's rare. Hey, Rose. But it g- is unnecessary. Yeah. Because all people need to do is get a shot. Yeah, but still, you can still get it if you're vaccinated, but you're well protected. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, you know, what's the biggest uh, percentage of vaccination count? What county has the biggest percentage of vaccinations in North Carolina? I bet you can Orange. guess. What? Orange. 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 What's the second? Uh, I'm, I, th- I want to say like Dare. Nope. Wake County. Wake, what's Wake, the third? Oh, come on. What's? She can't County. possibly know. Well, no, but what I'm trying to say is the triangle is doing really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The triangle is doing really well. Now, right next to Wake County is Harnett County. You go <laughs> yeah, from 77% were... vaccinated to 39%. Step oh. over the border. Right. Johnston County, where I work, you go from 77% in Wake County to 52%. Yep. Yeah. So everybody yeah. who's out there, li- and, and I think the penetration of believing in uh, Facebook craziness uh-huh. is higher in Johnson County and higher in in uh, Harnett County. And so if you're listening out there, who are you going to get your advice from? Rose, who's <laughs> you know an RN and is an established award-winning writer, or WGD? who went to Johns Hopkins, Princeton, and Duke. You know that stands for world's greatest doctor, right? (laughs) I have that on my diploma. It's on my diploma. Franklin C. Weefald, MD, F-A-C-C, W-G-D. W-G-D. Get your vaccine. You're not going to become magnetic. Bill Gates has not put in a microchip. And it the will risk not affect your fertility. I yeah. promise. And the, let me tell you, everybody's worried about the RNA, mRNAs causing this myocarditis thing. Uh-huh. 2,000 cases out of 300 million doses. Yeah, I know. Right? Do the math. It's 0.0005%. Right? And your chance of getting killed in a car wreck is 1 in 100. And if you're driving a pickup truck at 90 miles an hour in the pouring rain, it's about... 90 percent right and so well, just and, yeah, and speaking of low percentages like yeah. those folks who have breakthrough cases mm-hmm. the breakthrough cases are getting probably more attention than they really deserve because the breakthrough cases i think it's like thirty-five thousand breakthrough cases that's just about two weeks ago um out of as you said how many i think it's 165 million Completely vaccinated people. And we talked, yeah, go ahead. We talked about this. And then the the percentage of those breakthrough cases that end up in the hospital is minute. And we talked about this at the beginning of the show. Your chance of surviving and not dying if you're fully vaccinated and get Delta is your chance of survival 99.999%. Okay. And, And right now, Go get yourself vaccinated. And it's free. free. Just please, go get it. All right, Rose, thank you. All right, gentlemen, good to talk to you. And listen, don't go to the beach anymore. The show's no good when you're not (laughs) at your beach. The other thing you can do is what I, you know, I broadcasted from the beach once. Yeah. Yeah, get yourself a headset and an iPhone. Sit there, you're absorbing sun, having fun, and you're talking to me and Dave. All right. Like, I will say, I, I uh, that was the day we had to leave. Yeah. Um, 
and yep. we were packing up the car, and I, I missed, you know, I have you on an alarm on my phone. <laughs> I am so sorry. Thank and you, I got okay. car, Take and care. Like, oh, my God. All right, take care. Have a great day. Rose Hoban from North Carolina, healthnews.org. Okay, so there's this weird cholesterol drug. I don't yeah. want to spend a lot of time. Well, I, I think this, we, this is like the, the, the uh, merger of what there, I do in COVID. Because you've... You've probably written a script for, for this. Oh, yeah. For I don't write very much anymore because there are better drugs for a heart patient. So phenofibric acid or Tricor, excellent medication to lower your triglycerides, which is okay. the amount of fat in your blood. You have a lot of fat in your blood. Your LDL or bad cholesterol goes up. Sure. And I don't know why they decided to try to use this medication except for one thing. It reduces inflammation. Remember, that's if you if you walk away from Heart Health Radio and and know one thing, it's that inflammation is bad, and anything that lowers inflammation is good. And they gave these people phenofibric acid who had bad COVID, and mm-hmm. they did better. So I do not know um, why, but it's amazing. So it's this a, is another thing. Go ahead. It's not worth me going to my doctor no, and asking for. You do not want to start this medication. Unless your doctor says it's necessary. No. Um, there's a red flag, well, black box warning, yeah. about using certain cholesterol medicines, statins, with phenofibric acid at the same time. Okay. I happen to believe the risk-benefit ratio is high. I mean, it's good for people who need it. But anyway, no. um, do not do this at home unless your doctor says you need it. But what the article tells us is that believe in technology, believe in the future, and we're getting better every day. And we're having more things that are going to come out that'll help us every day. We're, yeah. We've got a great future ahead of us. Good. Telephone number is 919-860-9783. You call that number. We'll get you on in just a moment on the Heart Health Radio Network. Well, you know you make me want to kick my heels up and down. Every now and then, somebody does something that's just good. We want to recognize Well, I have a mother-daughter tag team. Yeah. Um, And I've been taking care of Ann Wallace for 20 years. Yeah. And Ann is a prime example of someone who just is tough as nails. So she's had coronary disease, and we elected to treat it medically. Mm -hmm. Left Maine, the widow, no, the the widow-widow-widow maker. And we decided to treat it medically because it would have been a difficult surgery. Yeah. And 15 years later, with aggressive medical therapy, she's not had a heart attack. Good. Then she developed lung disease as a uh, side effect of one of the medicines we were giving her. She's toughed that out. And I'm just, you know, we see each other um, about once every two, three months and, and sort of clean up all the medication things and yeah. get her straight. I saw her. The other day, and she looked fantastic. Now, fantastic for her, but not so fantastic, say, for someone without all these medical problems. And yet, the sweetest lady in the world yeah. smiles, asks, asks how, how are you doing, Dr. Weefall? Oh, wow. And then I want to also shout out her daughter, Anne-Marie Lane, who is just a tremendous caregiver and is there every step of the way. 
and is on top of her medication. She brings in a, a, a notebook with all the updates and everything that's ever happened to her and all the doctor's visits and the changes. It's right. a tremendous thing. So shout out to Ann Wallace and her daughter, Ann Marie Lane. Wonderful, wonderful people. Got a question for you about yeah. heart attacks. I, yeah. You know, going into this show a couple of years ago, I, I I didn't know that there were so many different types of heart attacks. Yeah, I think almost everybody assumes that a heart attack is a heart attack is, is a heart attack a, is a clog. Yeah, it's a clog in a pipe yeah. somewhere. Yeah. So, what it is is a spectrum of heart attacks. Now, some people. Talk about heart attacks is, is sudden cardiac death. That can be from other causes than just what we call a garden variety heart attack. Right. Cholesterol builds up on the inside of the arteries that feed blood to the heart. Now, these carry red blood full of oxygen through these tubes. And I don't like to call them pipes because pipes are rigid. Okay. They, they can move and squiggle. Um, they're very soft um, because they have to expand and contract. They have a muscular layer. But for some reason, we don't understand completely why, some people build up cholesterol on the inside, and these are called plaques, and they're clogs. Yeah, you can call them clogs. Yeah. But what happens with inflammation, your body tries to chew away the cholesterol. You get immune cells inside these cholesterol plaques. Right. The plaques are covered by a, a thin layer. It's called a, a cap, and the cap sort of holds it in. Well. We don't exactly know why, but sometimes with increased amounts of inflammation, um, if you get real excited and like the, the bear is swimming in your in your pool and is about right. to bite you, right. levels of adrenaline, the stress hormone go up, the platelets are, that's the clotting mechanism, they get activated, the arteries constrict, and that cap on holding in the cholesterol can break and clots form. The the Clotting mechanism doesn't know the difference between a bleeding artery, so your cut, and a cholesterol plaque that has opened up. It, it, it's the same thing to them. Mm-hmm. So you get a clot. Now, you can get a tiny clot, and then your declotting mechanisms are good, and they don't let it grow. You can get a moderate clot, or you can completely clot off the artery, and that's called a STEMI. Uh, and the reason why we call it a STEMI, S-T-E-M-I, is on the EKG, the certain part called the S-T part of the squiggly line goes up. Yeah. And they call it tombstoning because it looks like a tombstone. It does. You know how a tombstone looks. Instead of being flat, it curls up, goes up. And if you don't get that artery open, you'll have permanent damage to the heart muscle. Yeah. And you could get heart failure because your heart muscle becomes flabby and weak. There's uh-huh. a great technique is you call 911. Right. The rambulance, Rambo ants, rambulance. <laughs> I call it ramboing. Ambulance comes. They recognize that there are tombstones or even oh, gotcha. if it's just a minor heart attack. Yeah. They whip you to the cath lab. This expert man or woman who's trained to go in and, and go in your artery, and they go in with a balloon, and they open up that plaque. They yeah. squish it to the side and leave a stent in, and blood flows reestablish, and the heart muscle heals for the most part. It's a wonderful thing. So you can have a mini heart attack called a non-STEMI because you don't get that EKG pattern. You can have a moderate heart attack where you get a lot of EKG changes. There's 
some sluggish flow to the heart muscle, but it's not completely occluded. Mm-hmm. And then you get this mano Manischewitz complete blockage, and you're really in bad shape. Your EKG looks horrible, and you need a stent right away. Right. And so there, there is a spectrum. And I think that the more you realize that this is not something you sit on, don't grab your bottle of Maalox and say, ah, it's just indigestion. Yeah. Because it's very difficult sometimes to distinguish, especially in women. Women, for some reason, and I'm not being sexist, um, have different symptoms a lot of times than men do. Just fatigue, sweating, um, shortness of breath, um, dizziness. And men can have those atypical symptoms too. I mean, you know, you read in a textbook, mid-sternal chest discomfort, squeezing like an elephant on your chest accompanied by shortness of breath. Yeah, I don't have that. Sweating. Hey, yeah. you can have that or you can't have that. And the classic symptoms aren't always classic. But get thee to the hospital through calling 911 if you think you're having a heart attack. There's no such thing as a false alarm. Is there a blood test to determine whether you've already just had a heart attack? Yes, and it's called a troponin level, T-R-O-P-O-N-I-N. The English pronounce it troponin. troponin. So the troponin is a protein that helps the heart muscle contract. It's part of the whole ratcheting mechanism Mm -hmm. where the muscle contracts. When you have heart muscle damage, even a wee bit, the troponin leaks into the bloodstream where it's not supposed to be. And you can pick that up. Usually it's about four hours after the onset of heart muscle damage that this troponin uh, gets into the bloodstream. And that's an important thing. You can tell if there's been muscle damage um, within a couple hours. Okay. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. The troponin. Troponin. Yeah, troponin. It's funny because the British also stand online for the theater. Yeah. They stand online and they wrap their sandwiches in aluminum foil. Aluminum. I, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't know. They also the... say blimey a lot and bloody. <laughs> bloody! And what else do they do? Did you, there's, a, there's a cartoon that my kids are watching. Oh, what is it called? Peppa Pig? Yes! Yes. And they're all speaking in English accents yes. now. Yes. There is a... There is something that's going on in preschools now where children are showing up for their first, you know, time in preschool and they're talking like Peppa Pig. Yeah. Because they think that that's the way to yeah. talk. Uh, what so. is it about English accents and Americans who think that means something cool? I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, yeah. I can't believe it. You the know? Monty Python actors. Okay, Cleese is the perfect example, the big tall guy. John Cleese, he did a commercial in Britain a few years back where he's supposedly pitching a serious movie. Uh He says, all right, now there's this axe murderer and all the people in the room. Start laughing. They just start laughing. They think Cleese is the funniest thing in the world. You know, any one of those guys starts voicing something. Yeah. You just think it's ridiculous. Well, I, I still yeah. think that w- the, the thing that sticks in my mind from Monty Python is spam. Amen. You know? yep. Spam. If it weren't so salty, it'd be really good for you. But, of course, nobody's going to believe me because it's got fat in it. It does. It. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. This is the reason. It's fat with a little meat in it. The, the fact <laughs> is it's meat with a little fat on it. Yeah. Okay, you op- you take the stuff out, and there is a chunk of globule of gelatinous yeah. stuff. 
Have you ever spam, had a spam sandwich? But you're love a spam sandwich. Absolutely. I'm going to have a spam egg and spam sandwich later. This is <laughs> this is Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor. The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. And the phone lines are open on Heart Health Radio 919-860-9783. Call right now and you will be on next. Yes, you will. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic, and great health advice. Absolutely. I, I hope so anyway. Well, the, the COVID thing is still the story, but we're not going to spend all the hour talking about it. No. There are good things going on. There's an what an Israeli drug that is a treatment for when you already have it. Uh, they're testing it now in um, Greece, yeah, Athens, because they didn't have enough patients with COVID to test it in, in Israel. It is a it is a compound that uh, reduces um, a protein that in, inflames uh, the body, mm-hmm. and it it eighty eight people who were in the hospital, and uh, 87 of them walked out. And so everybody... Then they got out of the ICU quick. So we're, um, I think, heading in the right direction. We're not there yet, but I, I really believe this is another example um, that um, we are going to use technology to beat this. All right. Colleen? Not only, not only were they yeah. discharged, but they were discharged within five days. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And so the drug now is in phase two trials, and pretty soon it'll be in phase three trials. And um, I'm really I'm really excited. If you want to know the name, it's EXO, E-X-O-CD24. You can Google it. Sure. But I'm really, really excited. And um, the Israelis are really kicking butt. Yeah. In terms of, you know, the advances in medical knowledge and everything. It's amazing. Right. right. Colleen and Raleigh, welcome to Heart Health Radio. Hi. 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 What's up? Um, my uh, husband has a cousin who recently um, was stricken with an aortic dissection. Ooh. And um, they wound up... Um, Anyway, it's a miracle he's still alive. And he had a 12-hour surgery. Um, and then a few weeks later, he had another aortic dissection. Right. They had to airlift him to a hospital that could handle it. Uh, I'm just curious. I'm not sure I understand exactly what the aortic dissection is. Sure. What hospital? Um... Well, he was in, uh, he lives, uh, oh, goodness. I can't remember where he lives. Anyway, it's it's a good little ways from Denver, but they 
they uh, air airlifted, air, yeah, Denver, yeah, airlifted him the second time. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, this is really, really an important topic because I think people don't hear about it. You know, who John Ritter is mm-hmm. remember uh, Three's Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, doing his show, and he had a really sharp, deep pain in his chest, and it felt like something was ripping inside of him, mm-hmm. went to his back, and he collapsed, and he oh. had an aortic dissection. So the aorta is that big fleshy tube that comes out of the heart. The aortic valve is right there. It opens up, the blood flows into the tube. It takes the blood and there's a force of blood. It goes up to the brain arteries, takes that big old turn by the neck and then goes down your back within your chest, all the way through the abdomen. Little arteries and little vessels are splitting off of it, feeding your gut. Then it bifurcates, or there's a fork in the road. And it, you know what happens when you come to a fork in the road? Fork in the road, you take it, right? Yeah. That's that's. Uh, okay. Who is that? Robert Frost. No, uh, Yogi Berra. When you get oh. to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> take it. Anyway, then it goes to your legs. So what happens? You can have something called Marfan syndrome, and um, what happens with that? is that you don't have the proteins, to some of them fibrillin, it's called, to keep the connective tissue and keep the aorta firm because it is fleshy. It should be fleshy and firm. So when the other thing that can happen is you just have some other syndrome. Uh, there's Erlos Danlos. Don't even bother with that. That's just you have um, a, a stretchy connective tissue. Anyway, when it stretches too much... The inner lining, uh, called the intima, it can tear because it's getting stretched too and it doesn't want to stretch. And when that tear happens, it pulls off of the muscular layer and and the, the connective tissue layer and then goes all the way around. So it can start near your valve, split, go up into the arteries to the brain, then go down the back. So when you have one that's just in the back, so it starts, you know, in the back, they can generally treat that with medicines, unless, of course, it gets into the other major arteries. The one that starts in right above the aortic valve, that you need surgery for. And they replace it with Gore-Tex. So what is Gore-Tex? It's, it's a um, uh, textile that tends to mimic what the aorta does. And I've had Dozens of patients have this uh, replaced, and it works. Now, one of the reasons why he may have had another dissection is because when they go around the horn where you come up from the heart and it makes that, that turn, the arteries go up to the brain, you have to sew it together. And yeah. sometimes you just can't get that um, those sutures in there to hold the uh, intima, and it splits afterwards. So it's a tough situation, and um, you know you got to have the right kind of doctors control the right kind of blood pressure. You got to have a surgeon who knows what he's doing, but um, you can live a long time with it. Wow. Well, I hope that helped. They, yeah, they said that you know after that first dissection that it was a miracle that he lived. He had a twenty-five percent chance of making it to the hospital. It's tough. Yeah. Of surviving the surgery and a twenty-five percent chance of surviving afterwards. Yeah. But he did survive, and then he had this other one, and they said, "Yeah, you've got to, you've got to go to Denver." 
Right. We, we can't. We can't. You've got to go there. So, yeah. so I don't know how long that surgery was, but it has literally turned their lives upside down. Yeah. Right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna pray for them. Yeah. And yeah. Well, thank you for calling. I think that was a really good topic. And call back again, Colleen. We okay. really appreciate it. Thank you, Colleen. All right. Larry, also in Raleigh. How you doing? Fine. How you doing? Hey, Larry. What's up? Um, well, I just thought I'd let y'all know. I got two. Qu- well, one question, but um, right. Uh, you WPTF is my Facebook. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. I don't get on Facebook. We don't get a bunch of misinformation on the airwaves here. Yeah. True. We try not to. Yeah. Um. How is the best way to take care of bed sores, and how long do they last? Okay, that's a great question. Bed sores are the uh, one of those terrible things you can get. Um, yeah. When you're debilitated and you're lying in bed and say you're in the hospital, the most, one of the most important things is to get your caregivers, if you can't do it yourself, to move you frequently. Mm-hmm. So what's a bed sore? When you're lying in one position, and you're not getting off of, say, your butox, um, your buttocks, the <laughs> pressure from your body against the mattress will yeah. begin to break your skin down. Yeah. So the, And then it turns into these sores. I mean, I've seen a bed sore go all the way from the skin to the bone. Mm. And it gets infected, and it just is a whole, it's very hard to treat. And so the, the number one way to, to treat a bed sore is to prevent it. Um, you got to get these uh, mattresses. Sometimes it's an air thing that yeah. will blow up part of it. So you move over a little bit and mm-hmm. then shrink and then blow it up again and move it. But if you're at home and you're debilitated, you have to have a caregiver move you every hour or so. You just can't lie there. Right. And that's another reason why I, my, my sister had a broken hip. We got a semi-electric, well, no, we got a full electric bed. Yeah. It was awesome. Is you can move it, you can lower the head, you can get the pressures off. Now, suppose you get one. Um, then you want to really focus on getting moved around in bed. But you need a specialist. You need a wound care specialist because they're very difficult to treat. And I would never try to treat a bed sore on your own because... When you look at a bed sore and you are a a bed sore specialist, you know, you have a PhD in bed sores, um, you can tell how much skin is damaged, whether it's going to break through. And there are all sorts of different things you apply to it, okay? Uh, Creams and cleansers. Um, You have something called Duoderm, which is a fake skin. Mm -hmm. And you put that on like a patch. Sometimes, if it's, you know, you discover it's way deep, um, there are things you can do to add to it. Sometimes you need to have a graft. Um, And then there's hyperbaric oxygen. Mm -hmm. And they stick you in this little tube, and they pour in the oxygen to 100% or so, and they put pressure on it. And that helps to heal it. Um, Can I mention something that might make people queasy? You always do. Okay. Maggots. Okay. Oh, yeah. And they go in there and they clean up the dead tissue and Uh flush them out. So if you have a bed sore, um, even if it's only a minor one, get thee to a physician who knows what bed sores are and who can treat them. And I think a wound clinic is the way to go. Now, a lot of home health 
um, agencies will send a wound care person to your house mm-hmm. if you are debilitated. So treat bed sores uh, um, importantly and um, recognize that they're potentially dangerous. Thank you, Larry. Thank you. Have All a right. great day. Take care. Clay in Raleigh. Welcome to Heart Health Is Radio. Is it Clay Aiken? No. Um, no I can't not. take credit for that. You know, he, he, he was, um, well, you know, he had a life-changing moment in his life. But uh, anyway, uh, top, <laughs> of the, top of the satisfactory Saturday, you know, if y'all were to see me, y'all could call me mud because it's been raining on and off. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, first of all, let me just give you, you know, both of y'all a heartfelt thanks for doing what you do every Thank Saturday. You. Um, because, you know, it's very well notated and y'all get to hear, you know, people share their things. I, I you know, I, 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 I don't know if I shared this with you guys, you know, several weeks ago when I called in, but, you know, this thing with COVID, yeah. um, you know, I know that, uh, you know, being in the military, um, they, uh, I was able to go through the VA and, you know, um, they separated it three weeks. I mean, I guess everybody's a little different, but I know there's been, you know, you shared, but see, I don't listen to the news a lot. Um, I don't listen to all the, the hearsay and all this other stuff. I listen to what coming from godly people. And by the way, God bless you both for doing what you're doing. Thank you. Um, And to me, it's just like, there's so much deception out there. A lot of people are being deceived. Absolutely. and, And they're being misguided. And, you know, it's interesting because the Bible does say that the devil is out there misleading a lot of people. And when you hear that, you have the uncertainty from people. Well, I'm thankful to the Lord that the VA was able to get me both shots within three weeks. But the interesting thing that I I would like to share with people out there listening, when I got the second one, the lady who injected me, the doctor that did said within the next two to three weeks, you should be able to come off with your mask. Yeah. And I did that. I'm, I'm still adherent. You know, I'm still going to do that, you know, just to be respectful to the other people. Mm-hmm. And I found it to be very helpful for me. Um, as in the keto thing, um, you know, that's another deception, misleading thing, because you hear this and you hear that, but you don't hear the uh, positive effects. I mean, uh, you know, so they say a negative and a positive equals a negative. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and I learned that in math. But the one thing you, that you don't hear is the positive effects. I mean, you know, you were sharing that earlier. Um, it's just really interesting, but yet it's sad um, to yeah. know that you, you're hearing all these effects. The one thing that I can say is anybody that is listening right now and is listening earlier you know, just just listen to your heart. Your heart is what's most important inside um, because you know that you're going to be guided right. And, and take the time to, you know, put a default in prayer because that really helps. And it eases. You know, you don't have to have, um, you know, all this misconception and deception and all this other stuff. That's why I'm thankful that I, I know the Lord. Um, I know that I listen to people who speak the truth like you two you two gentlemen do, uh, because it's very helpful. And, you know, when you listen to your heart, if you don't, that somebody shared with me, you know, uh, a few months ago says, you're going to hear God the Father knocking on your door. Yeah. 
And so uh, I just want to say thank you both, um, you know, for doing what you're doing. Thank you. And God bless you both uh, for everything that you do and for giving the inspiration that you're given. Uh, because the, the the deception and the mis- misleading thing, it, you know, you never know when it's going to stop. But um, just thank you both. Thank you. Well, and, you know, I think the, the great thing about what you're saying, is, Clay, is that there's extremism. And it's on both sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got these people who are trying to protect you, and they're lying about how we're all going to die unless you mask up and, and huddle in the corner and suck your thumb. And then there are people on the way other extreme saying, this is nothing. You don't need to wear a mask. You don't even need to clean your hands. I mean, you know, it's a phony. And then they die of COVID and say, I'm sorry, I should have listened. Yeah. The middle ground is really where we need to be in this whole thing. And and the other thing that we need to be able to say is we don't know, okay? Yeah. Yeah. But because we don't know the answers to certain things doesn't mean that we're stupid. I think that's one of the problems Fauci has is that he feels like he's got to know. So what's the latest? Okay, so there were these guys in Provincetown, and they were having a, you know, a woo-hoo get-together, and they gave it to each other, and they were all vaccinated. And guess what? None of them got real sick. But what happened? They measured the amount of virus coming right. out of their schnoz. Right. And they just suspected that it was supposed to be not much. Well, it was a lot. Uh, it was as much as somebody who wasn't unvaccinated. Uh-huh. So then they say, mask up. Go inside. Suck your thumb. We're all going to die. Instead of saying, we don't know what this means. Right. Uh, we're going to study it, and the thing is, have you heard of, have you heard any more of these people doing this? No, I, I've heard a couple of maybe weddings where there was some spreaders. Right, but you know we got to listen to science. We got to say, okay, yeah, is this true or not? And the answer is, we don't know. All right, Clay, thank you. No, thank you, guys, and I just you know would like to iter- reiterate. Just listen to those people that are around you that, you know, you trust and you can feel great about um, and listen to those who know what they're doing. And that, Dr. Weefall, that includes you because, I mean, you're, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing for two hours on a Saturday and bringing forth the knowledge and the wisdom that you have inside you because it's not what you it, – it's about what you know inside and and what you can share. It's like uh, it's like I tell people being digestively fed. All right. Well, listen, we got to go to a commercial break. Got to got to pay the bills. But thank you and God bless you and you have a great day. Thank you, Clay. All right. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network. This is Heart Health Radio and the Heart Health Radio Network and There is an article in my stack here that says changing your meal frequency could help you cheat death. I don't know. In other words. Yeah, live longer, not not fall over dead. What this guy is saying is you should eat 2,000 calories at one meal. Yay. And then don't eat again. For how long? The whole day. The question is what meal? No, no. What meal? And so what's he basing this on? Well, (laughs) I think. This is what he says. I think that's what cave people did. And that's what we evolved. We okay. evolved as cave people, and we should just eat one meal a day. And I say to myself, 
know what the average lifespan of a cave person was? <laughs> About 26. Why? Because <laughs> he had no antibiotics. He didn't, right. have, he didn't have cholesterol medications. Right. And he... he he, he had to hunt buffalo and, right. and uh, mastodons who would gore him to death. Right. So, I mean, come on. What is wrong with modern medicine and the techniques that we use? When I, I started in this game in 1981 when I went to medical school. Yeah. And people were dropping dead of heart attacks. I mean, yeah. the average life expectancy. And don't listen to people who say our life expectancy stinks in the United States of America. You get rid of the things that we should get rid of, which yeah. is young men killing each other and young mm-hmm. men and women overdosing. Yeah. We're going to have the highest, uh, as high as anyone else in this country. Lifespan doesn't mean the individual. Lifespan means the population as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting so many 90-year-olds and 100-year-olds yeah. who've had heart attacks, stents, um, defibrillators. Right. We can do it. Modern medicine helps. And if you want to eat three or four or five meals a day, that's fine. Don't eat sugar. Don't eat white flour if you can help it. Um, And uh, eat smaller meals. Don't pig out. Caloric restriction helps. But don't go for this craziness, you know, where you got to eat one huge meal a day. You're going to get reflux from the big stomach and everything in there. The acid's going to flow up. So when you see something like this that is extreme, um, don't click on it because it's clickbait. There is a concept that I've heard from several people, and they're serious about it. They get hungry for something, right? Yeah. I feel like a salad. I feel like a steak. And they believe that their body is calling them to eat it. That, in other words, I wouldn't be hungry for vanilla ice cream. If I didn't have some sort of vanilla ice cream deficit mm-hmm. in my diet, mm-hmm. does that make any sense? Mm, no. Okay. So I really don't have a bacon deficit right now. Well, I tell you, um, the worst food I ever ate in my life. Yeah. What was that? I what don't do you know. Chocolate covered bacon. Have you ever had that? No. And so you're talking about cravings. You know, you have a craving for chocolate, you have a craving for bacon, you can yeah. have it together. Yeah. It was the most disgusting thing I ever ate in my life. And I had friends who were just chowing down on chocolate-covered bacon. But my body doesn't know fully what it's supposed to eat. No. no. So I, I can't blame Cravings the craving. are, are somewhat physiologic in the okay. sense that your body, you crave water because you're thirsty, but craving ice cream is a psychological thing. It is. Awesome. Yes, absolutely. All right. Yeah. I, could, I could go for a hamburger right about now. Yeah, but that's psychological too. You know, I mean, wimpy, right? What did he used to say? <laughs> I will gladly repay you on Tuesday. Was How much did he want? A quarter? Yeah, he, for he, a hamburger. He wanted to buy a hamburger. Yeah. All right. This is Heart Health Radio. Your phone call is coming up next on the Heart Health Radio Network. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com. I like that little doctor, doctor thing. (laughs) Who who sings that? Thompson Twins, I think. Are they really twins? 
I don't know. Are there, the doctors? Some 80s group, you know. Yeah, I wonder I if, mean, I don't think the flock of seagulls was I wonder if, actual seagulls could either. Could you have twin doctors who did the same thing? And, you know, they were both neurosurgeons. And um, one guy, his wife wanted to go out for dinner, and he was scheduled to have surgery. Could he have the twin substitute? I have no idea. That uh-huh. is the strangest. I think about twins question. a lot. You do? Yes. Uh, there's a drug rep who comes to my office. She's wonderful. And I yeah. m- saw her at the pool. Yeah. Uh-uh. It wasn't her. <laughs> it was her twin. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I was so embarrassed. You know? I started talking, you know, the drug rep stuff. And she ah. looks at me and she goes, you must be my sister. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. That's Identical funny. twins are really fascinating. We had to, We had in town my in-laws. Although technically it's it's my sister-in-law and her husband. Mm-hmm. And the husband's brother, who is, you know, only tangentially related to me. Mm-hmm. There was an incident where one of my family members saw this guy in the store and said, wait a minute, Sean lives 600 miles away. Yeah. And it was just his brother. Yeah. He saw him, you know. The, yeah. It's uh, well, you know, twins have been studied, and where they've been studied, Minnesota, a Minnesota twin study. That's a true story. <laughs> and they took, they found identical <laughs> twins, and they documented they're identical by their DNA. Yeah, and they had been raised in separate places, yes. and they didn't know another twin existed. Yes, and so they took a, you know, a survey, and they said. Do you think you have a twin? And they go, you know, I always had this feeling there was somebody else like me out in the world. Yeah. One was raised in Nazi Germany. One was raised in Israel. So the question oh was, gosh. what were their personalities like? Right. Almost identical. Really? So they brought them together. These guys, same mustaches, yeah. same sideburns. The weirdest thing, they both like to put um, rubber bands around their left wrist and snap them. Many of them had wives that looked identical. Um, many of them whistled the same tunes. Now, the the likeness was about 80%. So there were 20% things that were a little different on average. But the amazing thing was there were people who were separate, never knew that the other one existed. Right. And were identical, not just in their physical appearance, but in their likes and dislikes they liked the yankees hated the red Sox. it was the weirdest thing and so the question becomes nature versus nurture right right and i think it's both but when you look at your kids they got different personalities yes yes they've got different likes and not likes we're born with a a um set of characteristics that we can build upon in terms of nurture yeah. But it's amazing how much our personalities are dictated by our genetic things. And we have to recognize that, accept it. It doesn't mean that we should be racist or, you know, anti this because you've got, you know, a certain look or a certain personality. Right, right. But recognizing that, we can take education and environment and tailor it to bring out those good characteristics. But uh, that's just me. I don't know. My adult brothers are so radically different yeah. from me yeah. and from what, each other. they're nice guys? They're good guys. Good looking? Here's, <laughs> they're good looking. But here's the thing. Totally different personalities. Yeah. Totally different mores. Yeah. You know why? Why? Because for the most part, 
We've all married different women. Yeah. And we all say yes, dear, to different things. Yeah. So we have a different personality. Okay. I think that's it. Maybe, maybe not. So coffee and heart disease. Okay, I hear so this every now and then. Coffee talk. And so I, and I would do this. Um, I would tell people that uh, when they have palpitations. So that's an extra heartbeat skip. You know, you feel your heart skip and then you feel a strong beat. Premature contraction, premature ventricular contraction. You say, hey, cut back on your coffee. And especially for atrial fibrillation. And the reason? is because of caffeine. Caffeine can be a stimulant. It makes you stay awake at night, wakes yeah. you up in the morning. Yeah. So somebody, you know, it, it's another urban legend. Uh, it's another Starbucks legend, you know, that you've got to cut back on coffee if you have AFib. Well, somebody said, let's, is it really true? And so they studied it. <laughs> well, just take a bunch of people with heart disease and give them coffee. And guess what? What? For every extra cup after one and less than five, you reduce your risk of AFib by three to five percent. <laughs> so the the key thing is that coffee is not bad for you, and there may be something about caffeine that may stimulate your brain, yeah. and in some people might cause skipped heartbeats. But in general, it's not bad if you have AFib to drink a few cups a day. So all the old wives' tales. About everything. You know, my dad was a great guy. Um, yeah. You know, he's a strong, silent type. He, he had a good sense of humor. And he told me one thing that I, I really found to be true in my medical career, and that what can hurt you is not what you don't know. Okay? Uh-huh. What you don't know can't hurt you. It's what you know that isn't so. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things in medicine. I remember beta blockers, metoprolol, heart failure. Yeah. And I was taught you never give a beta blocker in heart failure because it will weaken the heart and you'll make the heart failure worse. Well, you know what? Hmm. One of the most important medicines in heart failure treatment is now a beta blocker. Right. Um, right. And just, uh, did you ever see that movie, Woody Allen's movie, Sleeper? No. <laughs> so it's a guy who's frozen and he wakes up hundreds of years in the future and they're all smoking. And they say, here, tobacco, it's, we've proven it's so good for you. Now that's not going to happen. But it's true. Um, the things that you think are so set in stone, um, right. the cracks you hear, are the, the concrete coming off your ankles because uh, you're free now. So anyway, that's what I think. That's good. There is a fellow who was saved by wearing an iPhone watch. Yeah, and, and I have been a iPhone skeptic. I watch skeptic um, because I know, you know, uh, physical contact between that metal thing and your skin to read the electricity and whether you have atrial fibrillation. I just don't – I just can't imagine that's going to be accurate. Mm-hmm. Now, I've always thought about maybe getting a little – pad that you glue to your chest and then you have all this you know what is it uh, bluetooth connectivity yeah i think that might be a good idea i don't know if anyone has done that but i read this story that just made so much sense so there's something called an accelerometer do you know what that is Mm -hmm. it's a little thing and it can sense by the momentum movement of the gravity so if you fall it twiddles it Mm-hmm. And it can send off a signal. So there is a help by falling and I can't get up um, uh, program yeah. on your iWatch. And it actually goes to your earphones and says, help by falling and I can't get up. 
it does and, not. Well, that's what it did for me. Anyway, no. So this guy had the thing turned on. Yeah. He's a young guy. Why would the young guy worry about falling? Yeah. I don't know. And what it can do, it senses that sudden drop to the ground. And it says, have you fallen on your watch? And you have like five seconds to push the button and say no. Yeah. And then it sends out warnings to all the people that you love. Yes. That says, help, he's fallen and he can't get up. And so this guy was having headaches and stuff, was in the emergency room, went into the bathroom to, um, to go to the bathroom, and he passed out, smacked his head. And when the family members called the ER and said, uh, his help by falling and I can't get up has gone off. And they searched and searched, get in the bathroom, saved him. He had bled into his brain. And oh if it hadn't been for the iWatch... So I have a lot of patients come in and say, how can I get the help by falling and I can't get up? <laughs> Think about an iWatch. Because that, an iWatch. I okay. think, makes sense. All right. Betty in Raleigh, thank you very much for calling Heart Health Radio. Thank you. You're hey. welcome. What's up? I have a question. Yes. Um, it's, it's kind of circulating. And is it possible to change a person's DNA? Very good question. <laughs> and I know where that's coming from, too. So the the vaccines are made out of RNA, ribonucleic acid, and then there's deoxyribonucleic acid or DNA. The RNA, it's like the old thing is DNA is your heredity in a human being. In some viruses, it's RNA. But in a human being, DNA makes RNA, and that RNA then makes the protein. So in general, if you get foreign RNA in your cells, it's not made into DNA, which can change your structure. So in the short term, the answer is no. But I never lie to my, uh, my listeners. The answer is actually yes. So there are viruses that get into your cells and take RNA, turn it into DNA, and stick it in your own um, structures, mm -hmm. in your own DNA structures. And how do I know this for sure? Because I published it. Mm -hmm. um, I was working on tubulin genetics, tubulin DNA, and we found a tubulin mRNA that had been turned into DNA and had been stuck in your genetic code. Now, here's the kicker. Can you pass that on? So suppose in your heart you get a virus and it turns something into a new piece of DNA and sticks it in your heart, and the DNA of your heart is altered. Well, remember, how do you pass on your genes to your sons and daughters? It's through the gonads. So unless you change the DNA in every single sperm or in every single egg, it's not going to get transmitted to your progeny. Now, there's a new way of medical therapy to change your DNA, and that's called CRISPR. Have you heard about it? Yes. And so CRISPR is a technique that was developed by some people, brilliant people, and they're going to start using it for DNA genetic treatment. So suppose you have sickle cell anemia. Mm -hmm. You have a wrong kind of gene to uh, create a wrong hemoglobin. Now they're going in there with this CRISPR, and they're correcting it. So yes, you can change your DNA, but it is extremely rare. And the ultimate answer 
the mRNA vaccines don't do it. Okay. Betty, are you concerned about the vaccine in that direction? No, I've had both my shots. Good. Good for you. Pat you on the back. It was just circulating, and I wanted to know. Yep. So the answer is almost never can you change your DNA, but there are very rare circumstances that I don't think we need to worry about. But we can start to change our DNA medically, and that's called CRISPR, and I think it's going to be a revolution in curing, perhaps, genetic diseases. But this shot didn't cause it, right? No, ma'am. No, sir. No, sir, Bob no, or Ann. It doesn't. Okay, thank you. you Betty, both. thank God you very you. much for asking the question. Sue in Apex. How you doing, Sue? Doing fine, thank you. Um, just had a question. Sure. I have a, clo- I have a close relative who's been diagnosed with heart failure, and they said it was left-sided heart uh-huh. failure. Sure. And his cardiologist told him that there wasn't any medicine he could give him to help it, that it would just lower his blood pressure and Ooh. it would just make things worse. Ooh. I didn't know if, since I just heard you mention that about a beta blocker, yeah. I, you know, I, it just piqued my curiosity. Sure. There, okay, this so, person also has a lung condition, bronchiectasis, uh-huh. never smoked or anything, but mm-hmm. has bronchiectasis, so it's kind of a complicated, and low sodium, yeah. <laughs> which is unusual, low sodium. So yeah. He's really complicated to treat. I just wondered your take on all of this. Sure. I have a lot of patients like this. So heart failure on the left side, almost always, but not, not you know, there sometimes, it's due to a flabby heart muscle. And so the muscle, instead of being nice and strong and pumping and pumping, it can get a scar or a virus can weaken the muscle and it gets large and flabby. And by that, I mean, it just doesn't pump hard. There are lots of medicines that help. Um, from ACE inhibitors to ARBs to this new one called Entresto, which I'm really a fan of. Um, they help to relax the uh, arteries in your body so the heart doesn't have to push as hard. Mm-hmm. So it's like it changes one of those stiff balloons that you hate. You always go to a party, and they hand all this the pliable balloons to everybody else, and they give you this long one, and you try to blow it, and it just <laughs> doesn't inflate. Well, what those medicines do is make the balloon turn into one you can easily inflate. The beta blockers prevent stress hormones from stressing out your heart. And then if you you get too much fluid because the blood's not flowing to the kidney, you take a diuretic, a water pill called Lasix or furosemide. One of the problems is that sometimes your blood pressure is too low because some of these medications can lower your blood pressure further. Interestingly, though, I've had patients with a low blood pressure, and you put on these medications, and the blood pressure goes up because yeah. the heart pumps stronger. There are also pacemakers now. If you have a certain type of EKG, you can put a special type of pacemaker. It's called a biventricular pacemaker, and that can make the heart stronger. Um, there's lots of things you can do. Um, and I think that if somebody has just automatically said, uh, we can't give you these medicines, it'll drop your blood pressure, you know, you're not the patient, so I might be able to say this. Get a second opinion mm-hmm. because there are doctors who will say, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you this medicine in a wee dose. Mm-hmm. By that, I mean a low dose. You're going to sit at home this weekend and you're going to sit on the couch. You know, you might get up to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. You're going to try this medicine. 
Then an hour later, you're going to check your blood pressure. Then you're going to take it again and check your blood pressure. You're going to write all this down and you're going to come see me. This is how you can determine, is this medicine too strong or is it going to help? And so it takes time and the doctor has to sit there and get off his computer and stop typing and look you in the eye and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. It's hard to do it, but it's beneficial. So my recommendation is you to pass on to this individual that there are treatments, there are medications. It may be hard to give them to him or her because it's going to take some coordinated efforts between family members and the patient and the doctor and frequent visits to make sure the medications are working and not hurting. Sue, is this patient seeing a cardiologist that person is. Um, he only the, the cardiologist last year gave him a nuclear stress test. It was chemical yes. test. They didn't put him on the treadmill, uh-huh. and because they thought, well, there could be some kind of blockage, you know, that's damaging the muscle. And uh-huh. but they did not find at least that test did not yield anything abnormal. Yeah. And basically, he was turned loose for a year, and he's going to be going back in August. How's he doing? Uh, well, he's, he's, he's been kind of, he has this, another complication. He has this SIADH. Yeah. Syndrome of inappropriate antidiuretic hormone. That means the brain, uh, puts out this hormone that holds on to water. Okay. And so what happens? Your kidney holds on to too much water yeah. and you dilute out your blood. Yeah. So the con- just imagine if you had salt water. At sure. a certain concentration, and you add tap water to it, yes. it's less salty. And that can happen from medications. It can happen from brain injury. Yeah. Yeah. So the sodium's low. And guess sodium. what? That can be fixed um, sometimes with the heart failure medications. So if, if your friend is short of breath and tired and fatigued, and get him to a second opinion. That's my, that's my opinion. And my second opinion is to get him to a second opinion. Thank you, Sue. <laughs> yeah, that, that helps. Okay, thank you very much. God bless. All right, I appreciate it. This is Heart Health Radio. We've got Tammy from Four Oaks who is going to join us in just a little bit. Also, you could call in. It's the last couple of minutes. It's when everybody else calls in yeah. anyway. 919-860-9783. Now back to heart health. Have a question for Dr. Weefall? Call 919-860-9783. This, we were debating what they call the phone that's hooked is to it, the watch. Is it the Apple Watch or is it the iWatch? Somebody we, tell we me. Think it's Apple Watch? We think it's Apple Watch. Okay. I well, I watch the Apple Watch. I, uh, yeah. Yeah? I, yeah. And how much how much watch could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could no chuck watch? Idea. Tammy and Foros, <laughs> bail us out. How you doing, Tammy? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Good. Good. What's up? A question for Dr. Weefall. Yeah. Good. Are you familiar with the drug Plegarty, which is an injectable? It's an ingestible What's and it called? it's called what? Uh, in inject. You inject it into your skin. Yeah, but what's the name Plegarty. of the drug? I didn't hear you. Plegarty. Ple- starts with a P? Yeah. P-L-A? D-R-I-D-Y. Plegarty. What's it for? MS. 
Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to be honest with you right now. Um, I am not an expert in MS, and the reason is it's so advanced now. Yeah. Um, spell it out for me. P L A. P L. P L E G. E G. R I C Y. Got it. Plagrity. Yes. And let me tell you, I can tell you right now. I think it's a monoclonal antibody. I think. I'm, yeah. It's interferon beta one A. Correct. So it is a it is a uh, very advanced drug, and what it tries to do uh, multiple sclerosis is I do know this, it is an autoimmune type phenomenon where right. your own body is attacking the outer sheath of your nerves, mm-hmm. myelin, and so that myelin is like, you know, the rubber coating or plastic coating on a wire. Yeah, and yeah. so when it eats it out, it can short circuit, and so this medicine, like others tries to reduce that immune thing. Okay, what did you want to ask me about it? Well, I wanted to know if you were familiar with it. And uh, I am now. <laughs> once it has attacked the myelin, like it has attacked the myelin sure. in my leg. So for me to go out into the sun, it might be comfortable for you, but it's like my legs are on fire. Absolutely. But I can put on a, you know, a thin pair of pants or something, and I'm pretty good. Is there any way that you know of to grow this myelin back? Well, that's what they're working on. We talked before about genetic uh, manipulation of the body. Right. So they're working on um, making the myelin cells that are still there um, grow and, and sort of cover up the gaps. So I think we're heading in that direction. Multiple sclerosis is so hard to live with. How are you doing? Are you getting along in life? I know your legs, you know, are bothering you, but are you able to do the things you want to do? And and has plegrity made a difference, uh, or did it make a difference in your life in terms of making you better? I am able to do pretty much what I want to uh-huh. on a cool day, but on a sunny day, uh, I just can't go outside. Okay, is it when the sun hits your skin? Is that what it is, or is it just the heat? When the sun hits my leg, and I guess it's the heat from the sun, mm-hmm. because um, in the wintertime, I do marvelous. Mm. Well, you know, I got one suggestion. One suggestion. Eskimo. It's time to move to the North Pole. No, no. But no, seriously, do you do you Tammy, like wearing do you Tammy, like wearing shorts or can you wear loose baggy slacks and Tammy, not let I'm the sorry. sun hit your leg? I gotta I gotta jump in here. What? Rochester, New York. There's no sun in Rochester. What? Yeah. None. It comes off the lake. No, there's yeah. no sun. But wear wear gone. some loose baggy pants. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but it's not. I mean, well, I do have a couple pair I have to wear whenever I cut grass. Other uh-huh. than that, you know, I prefer, I prefer uh-huh. shorts. Uh-huh. Does sunscreen yeah. help you? No. Okay. No. That's interesting. Um, but I developed it at age 57, which the neurologist says that was really strange because usually this attacks younger people. Right. Yeah. And I have been dealing with it for four years. And I. This drug has helped me, but recently I can tell it's starting to progress. Right. 
Tammy, I'm so sorry to report that the uh, end of the show is rapidly approaching. Well, can I say something? I love the name Tammy. And you know how I got that? From an old movie. I just thought that was the coolest name. Have you noticed the names that people call up are Bob, Sue, Mary, Tammy? And Tammy. You know why? Because of our demographics. we got normal names calling in. Tammy, thank you. This is the Heart Health Radio Network. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.